Hey everyone, and welcome back to BPX Breakroom. Broadcast live each Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern in Twitter spaces at Radish Digital. That's digital with a J. A show that breaks down all the opportunities and explanations in the Block Packs ecosystem. I'm Discord user Jen Khan, not just host of BPX Breakroom, but also one of the largest whales in the BPX ecosystem. And now, without further delay, let's hear from this week's guest co-host. Welcome, welcome, everyone, for another rousing, rowdy edition of BPX Breakroom. I am Jen Khan, and today I have uh, Kisher, who is from Barefoot Republic, um, and he is the design and creative guru um, behind uh, Barefoot Republic and the infamous Bantams that everyone is going crazy about right now. So let's get right into it. Kisha, are you there? GM, GM, I'm here. Awesome. I'm alive. I'm well. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Welcome, everyone. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to chat with us. Um, you know, as always, the format of the show is you guys can either submit questions via Discord in the Twitter chat here, or um, the option we all love the most is come right up on stage and ask it yourself. Um, so I will start with the uh, the icebreaker for the day, Kisher, is what is your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve. I actually have a very specific answer to this um, because, as some of you may know, I live in L.A. And so my biggest pet peeve is when people don't use their turn signal when they're changing lanes and turning. It is so easy. Your hands are already right there. It literally is like a pinky movement. Be safe. Turn on your turn signal. Don't make me frustrated. I like that one. I like that one. I agree. Um, where it irritates me the most is when you're on a one lane road and they all of a sudden want to take a, a left and slam on their brakes and have no turn signal whatsoever. And you come up on them really fast. Yeah, we see all sorts of things, you know, out in LA traffic. So, um, it's just best to be on your toes and uh, I try my best just not to drive at all as much as I can, especially when it's raining out because when it's raining, people freak out on the West coast and it's raining heavy today. Uh Oh yes. Better stay inside. So I have, I have to say, um, I would probably hazard a guess that many people would say I, I have a gazillion pet peeves. Um, which I do have a lot, but I would say the the biggest one for me right now is loud chewers. I can't do it. I can't. I jump out of my skin with people. I, I don't know. I think I have a heightened sense of hearing that I can just zone in on people that chew really loud. It's very annoying. <laughs> So I apologize to well, any loud chewers out there, but <laughs> I can't do it. Well, good thing I'm saving breakfast until after the spaces then. There you go. <laughs> okay, let's get right down to the best pieces. Um, so I think we're going to start off because I think people see you a lot in Discord. Um, and I think people have a, at least think they have a good idea of who you are and what you do. Um, but I think let's hear it right from you. Um, and if you could just give us a little bit of your background, both in real life and in Web3, and then we'll kick it off from there. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, uh, you know, I cut my teeth uh, in the Chicago advertising industry uh after attending um design school i had um you know i spent a couple years as a computer science and engineering major and before realizing that's not what i wanted to do all night long looking for colons and commas in code um but as it turns out that background really supported me because i always knew technology and and creativity is really where i wanted to be playing 
So after uh, spending a few years in advertising in Chicago and really learning the agency ropes, um, myself and uh, a couple of my best friends, I moved back to LA uh, to start our own creative agency where we focused primarily on uh, storytelling, um, film production, and some aug early augmented reality and virtual reality production. Um, needless to say, we were probably a little early at that time. That was uh, more than five years ago, six, seven years ago. So, um, you know, that didn't work out. Um, but uh, I moved into, you know, event design. I've worked in the for good and sustainability space, uh, brand direction, creative direction, all that kind of good stuff. I've, um, you know, I've filmed the first uh, short film out at Burning Man that was uh, nonfiction and uh, that went to some film festivals. So, you know, I've been really blessed in my life to be able to travel and um, just kind of create in many different platforms and spaces uh, along the way. And uh, now have spent the last uh, year and I think one and a half, 1.1 years um, with with BPX and Frenchie and the team here. And it's been absolutely amazing. Wow, that is that is very cool. My life is not interesting at all. I listen to all you people, you creative people. I wish I could be creative. I'm so not. You are creative. <laughs> I am not. I am not. But anyway, <laughs> um, so more about you. So you're saying a year, a little over a year, um, you've been involved um, with BPX and Frenchie. Do you, how did that whole meeting take place? How did you guys all come together? It was a super long and laborious process. Um, from everyone involved. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It wasn't at all. <laughs> For those involved, it was actually like one of, uh, a, a, you know, shout out to Frenchie and the team and Nancy Margaret and all them who, um, you know, really saw the potential in me because, I mean, really what it was, was, uh, you know, I have a collector's background. I collected Pokemon in the 90s. Um, and so like collecting and TCG has always been in my DNA. And, um, you know, that was block packs was one of my first entrances into Web3. And so I was in, in the discord and I was also simultaneously looking for a job after, you know, the pandemic, after having been let go. And so I had literally, I think I just posted, hey, do you guys need a creative director inside the block packs discord? And uh, I don't remember who was Frenchie or someone responded, hey, yes, give us a shout via email. And I had one phone call with the team and, um, the rest is history. They brought me on. They they trusted me, and um, you know, so big shouts to them. Definitely giving them flowers right now. Oh, that's amazing. You know, but some things are meant to be. Some of you, you know, you know, some things you just know right off the right off the bat. So, were you involved in any of the the parrot pirates, or did you start with these bantams? So we started off uh, when I came in, I think the project was still, uh, it was just starting to pivot from the old Tiki stuff that was originally out. And when I had originally come in, my, um, you know, my uh, call to arms was like, hey, we need to, to turn this ship around. We need to rebrand and really uh, do right by by you all, by the holders and everybody. So I came in and the first thing that I did was, you know, we sat in, did kind of a design sprint um, where we <clears throat> really just focused on like, what do we want this thing to be? Um, and we sat in a room and we put up hundreds of post-its and we, you know, ideated. And uh, I came in right around the time that the pirates were going uh, we're going live. So I didn't have so much, uh, hand inside of the creative of, um, you know, the, the start of those that was, I think Charles or Charlie Charles, uh, our excellent, uh, minor artist as well. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where, where I picked things up. Fabulous. Well, I, I have to say, um, if I probably could not do it justice at this point, cause I'm still, learning a lot of the terminology and everything. Um, so since you are our expert now, can you give us a, a brief summary of um, the Banana Republic and, and the project and how we're moving into the the Bantams and other side? And 
Well, I think the Banana Republic is probably for a historic lesson um, among something different. But I think you I meant said? the Barefoot Republic. <laughs> I'm, <sorry. laughs> I'm losing my mind. I'm still thought, I'm thinking about food. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the, the Barefoot Republic, the project, um, and how we're now moving and and shifting gears, and how the uh, the bantams and everything are going to play a, a role in that and the creation of those. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that became really apparent a few months back, um, you know, just for insight, you know, Frenchie and I, we went, uh, when the other side deeds were minting, you know, we were like texting back and forth that night and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, um, so we've really been in love with this idea of the metaverse and playing, um, you know, in this kind of new tech space. And so, um, you know, it's not definitely, there's a lot more going on in the ecosystem. And I think many of you are aware of some of the products that are, uh, you know, being developed on the back end of which, you know, we're working on. Um, I think it's no secret that, you know, there's rum in the, in the development, there's uh, clothing in the development and, you know, we just want to make it like, perfect for you guys like we want to make it so like there's just absolutely no reason to look at it and be like anything less than what you all know Frenchie can put out and you know right now with the Bantams what we're really focusing on is like what kind of experiences can we build you know with with and alongside and within the the metaverse and so you know we're leaning into this idea of the other side um, and so some of you may have seen me posting about it, you know, uh, the second trip was this week. And so many of you saw videos on Twitter of what this technology is capable of. And, uh, you know, Yuga Labs, it's no secret that we're using and deriving um, properties based on their IP. Obviously, the pirates are based on the mutants as well. So, you know, it's uh, it's something that we're really bullish on uh, and building within expansion of the Yuga ecosystem. And, um, you know, personally, uh, if the other side and, you know, this metaverse that's being developed, this technology does what we think it's going to do in the next five years, like it's going to be the biggest uh, socio-cultural shift um, not only in Web3, but like, you know, in gaming and in graphics and in advertising and in branding, like it's it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think you hit on something there that um, I think we should probably stress, too, that um, I think at least from my perspective um, and probably some others, when you hear um, people talking about the other side and the, the metaverse and all that, people immediately go to the gaming side of of things um, and kind of get turned off potentially a little bit because that's not kind of their their jam or they're not into the gaming. They don't quite get it or understand it. Um, so I just want to um, reiterate, maybe you can speak a little bit about the fact that that's not all that this is going to be. There's there's much more potential and much more things like you had mentioned, the, the branding and the and the other things that are hopefully if this all works well, going to be part of, of all of that. So it's not just simply the gaming aspect and being on your computer and playing. Yeah. You know, um, in, in many ways, you know, I see the, the metaverse and what we're doing, like what other side is, is like, it's just another platform to extend experiences. And, you know, I was on a spaces this morning uh, at 6 a.m. and we were talking about brands and experiences, but like, you know, what we, what this really offers and affords, in my opinion, is like an extension of what's actually possible. And right now it's very much digital and it's very much set in a gamification space. But when people start throwing things at the wall, like what we've done with the Bantams, and it's like, okay, now we have a trading card game that's built on top of or inside of the other side. Um, that start, you can start to see like, well, we can build that out in the real world too, if we chose to and have actual cards and those types of things. And all of a sudden you can see an entry point into Web3 and into a metaverse uh, in a way that's uh, very unique and not necessarily Web3 like forward, right? Like you don't need to know that the Bantams are built on top of the blockchain to enjoy the Bantams. It's just a fun experience, period. And I think those are the types of things that we really need to see brands building. Um, and I think 
the other side is going to allow um, the imagination to really open up in those types of contexts. Perfect. Um, I appreciate that. And now I'm going to be quiet asking my questions, which I have a thousand more. Um, and I see we have a couple people that have come up on stage to ask away and, and uh, glean some information from you. So I think True Blue was first, if I remember correctly. Howdy. Hello. Do you have a question for Kisher? Um, I'd say to keep with the theme of the space, my pet peeve, pet peeve is crooked floor rugs. <laughs> They drive me crazy. <laughs> um, let's see, as far as Bart goes, I think he has stolen your heart, Jen. Who Bart? I love Bart. Yes. <laughs> I love Bart. The minute I the minute I saw him, I I loved him, and he really does. I will have to find a really good picture of my dog Pepper because he that's immediately what I thought of. Uh, when I saw Bart, and then I pulled the one in one, so it's it's all it's all good. You know, yeah, it really. The, sorry, it, <laughs> I just wanted to jump in because I love that you said that. It's just it really warms my heart because you know, as we were choosing, um, you know, who these final bantams would be and what they might look like and what their names were. It's like we put so much thought into how the community would receive some of these characters and. Um, you know, it's just really great to see that, like, the characters that we really thought would resonate the most, and they all do, right, in their own way, but, like, Derby and Bart and Storm Fox and some of these ones that, like, really resonated with us. It's so great to see all of you all fall in, in love with them, too. Awesome. True Blue, did you have a question for Kisher? Yeah, I was just wondering who was your, or what was your inspiration for him? He's kind of a, a dopey, gentle giant that you don't want to piss off. A hundred percent. That's exactly how I see him as this like naive uh, mastiff that, yeah, just, just don't get him angry. You know, I always thought um, yeah, if you ever watched the original Pokemon series, um, and if you remember uh, Misty and Misty, the trainer used to have the Psyduck around and this thing was just all, it always had headaches. It was always bumping into things. But then when things got too much for it, when it got really pissed off or angry or in a bad situation, it would throw out this massive like EMP that would just rain destruction on everything. And that's kind of how I, how I see Bart is in the same way. Very cool. Um, we're getting more people up here. So I see, um, hardwired keep raising his hands. Do you have a question for Kisher? Hello. Hey, what's up everybody? Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, interesting about like, you know, kind of the metaverse plays. And, um, I think like in this entire space, a lot of, um, generalized thought goes around like, well, I'm not a gamer and, uh, you know, I, I don't really, you know, play games too much or hard. Like how much am I going to be in the metaverse? But I, I kind of view it as a an interesting kind of development. Like a lot of my friends for the last 20 years, you know, we were gaming on and off at times. But like now that we're older, a lot of us, we just like hop on games and load them up and get on the mics and we'll watch a football game. And maybe we'll play one round of something, whether it's Call of Duty or whatever it might be. But for a lot of it, we spend time hanging out and socializing in it. And I just wonder, you know, Kisher or anybody else has any other kind of insights if they think like metaverse is going to change the way we kind of view gaming and social media as two separate entities and kind of combine these types of things into one because I know I can definitely see me and at least four or five of my friends just kind of hopping into servers just in a chat room talk about it you know an interest and stuff feel like those um you know, those principles kind of bring themselves up again and again every time technology kind of innovates and moves forward. We start to see a little bit of the old stuff coming back. And, uh, you know, I wonder if anyone has any other insights on it, because I, I would probably be in hanging out, talking, chilling with people more than I'm going to be gaming really hard to try and win or, uh, you know, achieve some accomplishments. It's uh, 
it's definitely become a bit more social for me on the gaming aspect. But I, I do, I think I just see some of the metaverse kind of blending those types of, uh, you know, hard, hard edges. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in and, you know, what we're doing here right now in this space is, is, you know, kind of a metaversal experience, right? Except now imagine if we were, you know, you're, you were your minor in 3D and you could walk around this audience and listen to this conversation in spatial audio. Um, you know, that's kind of the difference there, right? And um, what you said about, uh, you know, going in and just hanging out, like, that's really what it's going to be. And also, like, don't constrict yourself just to the thought of, like, the other side is a metaverse and you have to log into a web browser and use it. Like, that's one version of an interoperable metaverse. But, like, as technology gets better, I completely see, you know, augmented reality glasses and, uh, you know, the other side taking form, you know, in AR as we walk around and extending more into our everyday life. And, you know, I always thought that the metaverse in many ways was or, or digitalized became like you, we really were like a digital native when all of our digital assets became more important than our, our physical ones and, and identity as well. And we're already seeing that on Instagram, right, where we curate everything that you see to form this digital identity of ourselves. And, um, you know, that's just going to carry on other side being one iteration of that, but fully, you know, Google AR and sandbox and all the other iterations too. Very cool. Thank you very much for the question, Hardwired. I appreciate that. Um, I see. I think the next one that came up was Matt. What's up, guys? My caller 10. Did I win the concert tickets? Um, <laughs> no, you're 11. You lost. I, <laughs> I came on a little late. Is it, what, what's the pet peeve thing? We throwing a pet peeve out there? Oh, yes. It was that was the icebreaker was what your your biggest pet peeve. Uh, my big one of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody's walking in front of you going into a door and they like open it just enough so they can get in and then they're they're in they don't hold the door open for you i always go like hey thank you like i always call them out so yeah. huge pet peeve don't, don't go anywhere with my daughter <laughs> kisher i got a question for you i'm a little forward thinking i don't know if we have timelines and stuff but the collector and me uh i'm having an amazing time with bantams the card art is amazing everything about it is awesome um I'm wondering when are we going to see commons and then do you know what the plan is for commons? I kind of threw something in the discord the other day where um, I don't know if you guys are going to do them like individualized, like, you know, one per pack again, or if it might make sense uh, suggestion wise, maybe just sell the set as a whole um, because of the obstacle of gas to get it, to open it and then to trade it, you know, on, on something that might be sub $5 might be a little much. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't want to speak too much on this because uh, I know Frenchie's in the room listening and I don't want to uh, say anything that can't be retracted. So um, NFA, as always, but, uh, you know, I don't have a timeline on the commons. I'm not really sure what that's going to come. But I what I do know in the way we've spoken about them is that it's going to be super cheap gas. They're going to be very accessible for everyone to be able to grab. Um, they will come in packs of probably five or so, and you'd be able to buy a pack and rip them and just put them into your deck so that you can fill out a deck really easily. Um, you know, they uh, won't get you into any tournaments or anything, and they're not really meant to be traded on secondary. They're really just meant so that, you know, those who want to build their deck out, uh, you know, you have your, you know, your big hits, right? Your, your chaos or your golds one or in your deck, but this would help you. Um, just to get started so that we can get the game out there and start playing. Awesome. Appreciate it. Okay. Next up, I believe um, I'm ignoring Ben for now. I believe purple pancake. You are next. Hey, what's up everybody. Um, <laughs> James. Um, yeah. So to speak on the metaverse thing real quick, I think Herman and crypto stash had an interview together where he talks about his vision for the other side, as far as the metaverse goes. And it's definitely more of a, it's, it's not a hundred percent gaming focus. There is a big social um, aspect of it that he's planning to bring in there. So uh, like Keisha was talking about, but um, I don't know if I missed it or not, but well, the, I'm gonna ask this again, cause I asked in the discord and I think I, uh, 
they were supposed to wait for this uh, space. But anyway, uh, pirates and parrots, will they become um, 3Ds for um, like uh, playable avatars for the other side? And or did you have to own a pirate or parrot in order to um, play with the bantams on the other side? As in like the pirate or the parrot will be your trainer like Ash was for Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just to answer the second question first, you don't need to have a parrot or pirate to play Phantom in any regards. Definitely. We want this to be accessible for anyone. Um, and uh, the first question, you know, um, I can't say with any certainty. I know we've had conversations where we want to do certain things in the metaverse with the pirates and uh, hopefully the parrots later on. Obviously, there's a lot less of the pirates. Um to do something like that, but uh, I can't. Uh, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that that will happen. Although it's, you know, it's something we definitely want to do. Very cool. All right, thank you, Pancake. All right, Ben, what do you got? Can't ignore me anymore, huh? <laughs> no one. No and one I'm shocked that you're. So the funny thing is, when you were talking about the pet peeve, I was sitting in my car eating an egg and cheese on a bagel sandwich by myself, just letting my lips absolutely smack. So that was uh, that was great timing. And I call BS. I think your biggest pet peeve right now is people that are not ripping their bantam packs. I, okay, if we have to go with with the last couple of days, yes, that would be it. Rip your packs, people. <laughs> yes, please. All right. So Kisher, um, you know, obviously I. I'm a metaverse noob, I guess you would say. Um, will we actually be playing the card game inside the metaverse? Obviously, I know how the awards work, uh, the rewards rather work um, for each resource, but are we actually gonna be playing the game inside the metaverse itself? Uh, you know, I would say that I have heard Frenchie on Spaces talking about the possibility of you know how cool would it be if we could uh, on one of the deeds that our project owns because we have a lot of deeds other deeds um and you know eventually we believe that you'll be able to build structures and infrastructures and buildings and experiences on those deeds inside of the metaverse there's an uh, sdk which is software development kit that will be sent out to creators at some point we don't know when we've all been waiting for it but we're assuming that within that we'll be able to build out templates for for those types of things and so you know frenchy has mentioned and it would be really damn cool if you could go into uh you know log in and um you know with or without your pirate or parrot and you sit down at a table and play Banton Brigade, um, you know, with spatial audio in a web browser in a building built on our deed, maybe our treehouse. you know, that's, that's like a grand vision that I have in my head. And, you know, it's, again, it's something that would be really cool to do and don't know if it's going to happen, but we've definitely brainstormed those types of ideas. Awesome. Thanks, Kisher. You got it. Very cool. Um, so I say I think I hit everyone on stage. So if you guys are out there and you have a question, please pop up and, and ask. Um, I just wanted to go back for a second, Kisher, more on the creative and art side of, of things. Because um, that kind of intrigues me. Because again, I'm, I'm not artistic. Um, can you kind of go over like what the the design processes like what kind of tools you use or how how you guys kind of developed and, and created these these bantams and brought them to to life to these incredible creatures that we are all desiring to collect right now yeah um yeah it was a it was an interesting process because it was a lot of discovery um in terms of like you know what are these things going to look like what refining the the character consistency and the visuals and you know like do they have more of a graphic feel or are they more real life and how do we justify that within our broader visual ecosystem and so you know where we started and you know obviously many of you have heard um a lot about mid-journey and stuff but really we just started concepting um you know and iterating really fast um and using ai in the process just to kick things off 
and um, kind of get an idea of what was possible for look and feel for these creatures. And, um, you know, we also pulled a ton of inspiration from the resources themselves, obviously. Um, so the other side has 74 resources that were, you know, randomized among all the deeds. Um, and some are more rare than others, but these are, you know, what we feel are going to be powering a lot of the stuff that's happening with another side. So they're all unique, as you can tell from uh, the creatures. And so, you know, for Blivy, for instance, you know, we knew that we wanted like purple and it had to feel like gemstone-y and, you know, maybe there was a little electricity. So we also thought of like, you know, what kinds of powers would these have? So once we kind of got that, um, you know, we pulled some stuff out of mid-journey and then I, from there, we created a team around me of really crack Photoshop superstars along with myself. And we just decided like, okay, here's the visual direction. Um, and let's start refining and, um, let's start really honing in, you know, what the, what the personality of each of these characters is. And, you know, we paid a lot of attention to, um, you know, how power levels, uh, affected, you know, how badass the creatures looked. We paid a lot of attention to, you know, um, obviously their sea, land, and sky. And so making sure that those were elements that you could kind of right away tell, like, okay, that's a sky creature because, you know, it has wings or it's floating. Um, and then, of course, like, one of the biggest things that I wanted to make sure was that it fit within the theme of Barefoot Republic. So, you know, we spent a lot of time putting these bantams into set and settings that felt like they could live within the barefoot republic so you know you see a lot of island themes and mountain regions and water and tropical and it's a little more gritty and so like that's um you know we really wanted to stay true to that feeling and then also like keep it fun and lighthearted. so you know you get things like bart in there and um, those types of characters so you know it was a it was a new process in the fact that um, you know, we were able to iterate and concept pretty quickly at the beginning. And then, you know, where uh, the real skill level of some of our super talented artists came in is, you know, in the detail that you see in each one of those cards. Well, I, I mean, I have to say again that I'm just wow um, with the art and the creatures and um the details and and everything um around them and even till now there are some where i, I first pulled them and i'm like yeah not my favorite very cool i like some of the other ones more and then the more and more i go back and and look at them um i'm like oh i didn't see that before oh that's very cool um and uh you know bad bad for me um falling in love with all of them um, so I have a question for you then. What yes. was one bantam that you originally didn't like that you now are in love with? Um, I would have to say where to be I Derby to me in the beginning. I don't know. It just I don't I I didn't see a lot of the details when I like look quick and stuff. But now um now he's kind of growing on me because he's kind of just like a cute little ball of fire. Yeah, um, well, fun fact, if it wasn't for Derby, the Bantams may not have existed. And I say that only because Derby was the first character that we started playing around with. And he was actually the first um, Bantam ever, uh, we'll call him Discovered. Uh, and just the damn cuteness of that guy really sold the whole team like this is actually um you know a viable way forward um so you know derby mm -hmm. is derby is my homie i can't i can't fade derby yeah <laughs> i'm glad he's growing on you he is growing on me now every time i look at him all i all i picture is like him hurling through the sky like screaming like oh going through this fireball just um, a naruto run across the metaverse <laughs> Yeah, we know we, we know all the Pokemon too. kind of have like a voice and like a, a thing they say. I imagine Derby just kind of going around going Derby, Derby. <laughs> um, yeah, we might need to get Caroline up here or to, uh, to to play the voice. We need some voice actors, Frenchie. Oh, there we go. Yep. Um, so I wanted to uh, to ask. So 
see, but now I've heard you say there were a couple that were your favorites. So I want to know which is your like all time favorite favorite. And then which one is, is there one that, um, I hate to say it so bluntly, but that kind of got put in the trash can. <laughs> if there was such a one. <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, dude, I have so many favorites because like they, uh, they're all my favorites for so many different reasons. Like, you know, um, like Myrtle, for instance, like he just, he reminds me of just like a stone teenage mutant Ninja turtle hanging out in the swamp. And I love that. And like Duskwing is just, well, it's Duskwing, but I think probably my favorite, I mean, Derby was always kind of my favorite just because he was number one, number one that came out and that kind of kicked this whole thing off. And like Bart, you know, I'm so jealous when you pulled that, that Bart. Oh my God. I was just like, you know, I have all the original JPEGs, but it's just not the same. That's kind of what I feel like on a daily basis talking to Ben. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, on the other side of it, like, uh, there's definitely ones that came out where the team was like, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. And I'm like, yeah, not so much for me. And I think actually a lot of it came from like the some of the sea creatures, because I think the team, there's a lot of fishers, fishermen on our team. Uh, I don't really fish very much, but, you know, something like glowfin or pikeypine, they don't they don't hit as hard for me. Um, but I do like Aquatrance quite a bit. Yeah, Aquatrance is cool. And I'm with you, too. I can kind of see it. Like, the sea, the sea ones for me, um, or the water ones, um, yeah, are probably a little less. Though, I don't know. Squig Squirm is, is kind of cute. Yeah, but the water ones also include, like, Soul Seed and Shatter Shell, and I think those guys are pretty badass. Yeah. All right, I see people have, have unmuted. Do you guys, uh, Ninja, did you have another question or comment you wanted to pipe in? Um, I ended up with the Soul Seed, Aqua Soul Seed, out of my one pack. And I wanted a Bart, but he's growing on me. <laughs> <laughs> Soul Seed's cool. I like Soul Seed. Yeah, Soul Seed was an OG. Soul Seed, I think... I, you know, I think the original order of Discovery, we'll call them, the Bantam Discovery, I believe it was, um, it probably went Derby, then I want to say it was either uh, Sismo and Blivy and Soulseed. Like, those were like the first four Bantams to be discovered. And, um, you know, you can see them now, like, just those four together really solidified our belief. Like, yeah, we really got something that, that people are going to vibe with. Yeah, that's very cool. Hardwired, did you have a, a comment or a question? We can't hear you if you're speaking. Matt, did you have something? Matt, did you have something? I was just going to say, too, my favorite's constantly changing, too, because we were talking about it a little bit later last night in the Discord on some of these, like, color matches. So, for example, like the gold feather aqua just pops. The, um, the, what's the one that I have? The shell, what, what is his name? Dark shell? Shatter. Sh Shatter. Shatter. Shell. The, uh, uh, which one on that? The aqua on that one is like an exact match. So uh, there's specific cards too. Like the, the character might not, you know, be the best there or your favorite, I should say. But when you see that color match, that color pop, it just looks so sick. Yeah, I agree. And what I love is that, you know, Aqua might be, you know, quote unquote, like the most, you know, uncommon or common of all the parallels. But like so many of the characters like that Aqua just, you know, you look at Gluppy and Wispy and uh, um, even Bart looks badass with that Aqua. Like a lot of them just really pop with that color. So, you know, they might be, you know, out of 199, but you know, the art on them is still dope as fuck. Excuse my language. I don't know. Can we curse on this? <laughs> I don't say, know. Yeah. You're, the you're the first one. <laughs> really? That can't be possible. No, no. We've gotten a couple of F-bombs out of Jeff on, on some past stuff. He, he knows. <laughs> no, on my, on my show. On oh, my, it's my yeah. break room. P PG? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, purple Pancakes, you have your hand up. You have a question? Hey, uh, I was just going back to the topic of 
the trading card game being on the other side or just being a like a web game um i think it'd be cool to have both if anything because you might have people who want that that metaverse experience and then some who might would you know prefer just to log online and play it and then i don't know if you've ever played like some of the latest pokemon games where it's like almost like a pvp and you have you know your big giant 3d animated um bantam you know actually attacking the other bantam um i don't know if that's what y'all were thinking of or more of like um just the cards themselves and stuff like that yeah that's a good that's a good question uh, you know the metaverse thing that's like a maybe and off in the future because you know again we don't know how that's gonna play out um in terms of uh, the SDK there, but uh, as yeah, it comes to the Phantom uh, Brigade, yeah, it's going to be a, a web experience. You know, you're not going to, uh, we don't want it so that every interaction when you're playing online has to be, you know, signed and transacted and gas and all that kind of thing. So, um, you know, from my understanding, when the full game is released, it's going to be, you know, a web-based type of experience. Um, and while it'll be underpinned by the blockchain, it won't be like, you know, play a card, sign a transaction, play a card, sign a transaction type of experience. It should be fairly user-friendly. Cool. Uh, uh, who jumped up? Immortal? Did you have a question? Um, not as much a question. How's everybody doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, just sitting here at work, uh, just tuned in. Um, I just wanted to say congratulations to uh, the team and the creators behind uh, Dan and Brigade. This is definitely one of the most amazing um, pieces of artwork as far as that goes, as far as collections go, that, I, that I've seen. Um, and, you know, I was a little skeptical at first by some of the early designs and uh, even some of the early names. Um, but now I'm like, I think these things are just amazing. And I'm sitting here itching. I've got three packs that I like vowed not to open, but I really want to open them. So I'm like in this like constant struggle daily on whether or not to open those. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to get up here and say congratulations because these things are, these things are amazing to see. Every time I see something pop up on my feed, I just I, I just marvel at them, you know, because I never was a big TCG guy like uh, at all. And, but I'm familiar with uh, Pokemon and, and Magic and, and those other things. And this absolutely 100% rivals those, um, if not uh, supersedes those in in uh, art uh, artwork and design and just everything. So uh, yeah, congratulations, hats off to the team. Thank you. I'm glad we got to make a believer out of you. That was uh, that warms my heart, man. Yeah, I had to say I was reading through some of the the Discord, and I guess uh, Shulgross opened his pack, or at least one of his packs, and uh, he opened an an Aqua Derby as we were talking about Derby. I think he's listening in the audience, so that that's pretty cool. Um. Let's see who we have hands here. Um, Hardwired, do you have a question? Yeah, just going back, I got a little uh, rugged on my audio here, but um, just saying, like as as far as the Bantams go, um, Kisher props um, art is phenomenal, and the whole team. I know they spent a lot of time really trying to uh, make sure that the art represents the uh, the asset well, and uh, I think you guys nailed it. Honestly, uh, very excited. Um, I, I'm a big fan personally of Mall Swing. I actually don't own any right now. Uh, maybe I'll be trying to trade for some first editions of this coming up, but uh, just aesthetically, and uh, I really I, I like, you know, the character looks a little bit more mean and uh, um, aggressive, I think, but I definitely like um, that aspect. Kisher and I were poking around a little bit, or at least got my, my mind going on a little bit of IP expansion and how to kind of use this IP here. And I think, um, you know, it's interesting is like during the migration and stuff, the those kind of conversations started to dwindle out, right? We wanted to just make sure we got our footing and kind of like during the whole migration thing, a lot a lot changed for the project pretty pretty quickly. And a lot of people really love the direction, the, the iterations and the pivots that have been going on of just like nothing but top notch. Really, really enjoy uh, 
how the team moves that forward. Um, but I think um, one of one of the most interesting things that I, I think about a lot is that like this is in for lack of better terms, a quote unquote web three type Pokemon. And um, I think my question really gauges around like, well, like in an industry that is dominated by a, a couple different um, uh, games like that, like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon and stuff, um, and creating a Web3 version of this that's coming out, um, how do we see like kind of the progression going forward? I, I know it's its own complete thing, and it's not like they're competing head to head, but um, this is essentially like the target audience, you know, of people who are looking to get into these types of projects. And I'm just interested in what the team and Kisher and think going forward on, um, on you know, how Bantams play into that. I mean, it'll obviously be a long time before anything, something like Pokemon. I mean, those are obviously goals that everybody loves, would love to have and stuff. And, um, but I, I just wonder if there is like some of that competition for more like web two or IRL trading card games into merging the web three version aspect into it. There are plenty of benefits here we have um, there's really some unique opportunities to be able to leverage IP and to use the, the cards in a, a novel way, as we see with um, the HTH going on now. Um, but so, yeah, I'm just interested in, um, you know, are, are we looking to kind of onboard players from those types of things, or is it just going to like harken to kind of the ideology and the mindset where doesn't necessarily have to be the people coming from these games. It's just something we know in human nature that is successful and there is a, a path or at least a, uh, a um, realized path to success here when you see how well the, the trading card games have done in real life. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, obviously Web3 is an industry is uh, moving at breakneck speed. So I think one of the things that we are trying to do is just keep our head on a swivel and stay on our toes um, in terms of just seeing what the technology is allowing us to do as things evolve and grow. Um, you know, what I love about the Bantams and a lot of, you know, what we've built into this trading card game and platform is like it's accessible to so many different people so you know right now there aren't any big tcgs um that dominate web3 right and we all know and seen that pokemon is hiring a web3 uh, coordinator so it's you know it's pretty obvious to me that they're gonna be playing in that space pokemon is like the original nft in many ways um but right now, you know, we have an opportunity to build and grab audience from people who are tech forward and in the metaverse space. And, you know, we have, um, you know, we believe that we could be the trading card game inside other side. And, you know, we're bullish on that. So, uh, you know, to be the first there would be a, a big um you know, a big feature for us, but, you know, we also want to bring people in from the trading card game space as well. And, uh, you know, we think the art and the parallels and the rarities, uh, and the first issues will really kind of draw those people in. Um, and, you know, we also think that the game itself is just, you know, at its very base level, you've heard Frenchie say, like, it's just simple as hell to play. And so bringing people in of like, Hey, let's play a 10 minute card game. Uh, on a on a fun Saturday night or whatever, like there's also opportunity for casual gamers there too. And we're going to be releasing stuff to make that more complex and strategize. So um, I think we have a lot of uh, touch points for casual gamers, for more serious gamers, for people who are you know in the metaverse, for people who are very traditional and just want to play on a tabletop. And so I see, you know, an amalgamation of audiences coming in and seeing a way for them to enjoy the experience. Very cool. Thanks for the question. Matt, did you have a? I'm very glad Hardwired went first because I, mine is kind of going to be a follow-up to that exact kind of thought process. So we saw Frenchie um, tweet out the back of the Bantam card. What's the plan, um, even if it's just kind of like an idea at this point, to get our collections that we have now in the NFTs converted to physical cards that we can have. So if I have a, a gold rainbow of one of the characters, for example, will we have a way or what's the plan you guys are thinking to get those in our hands? Um, I don't know, I guess is the easy answer to that question. Um, I, what I do know is that um, we, you know, we are looking for ways to make that 
if we do do that, very cool. So um, I know Frenchie has mentioned that he's um, talked to a printer that has the capabilities to do that. Um, what that means and how that uh, takes shape and effect, I couldn't tell you. Um, but um, it's again, it's one of those things that's like we've we've had conversations around it, but there's no concrete details um, or certainty around how that's going to look. Okay, cool. Great question, Matt. Um, so I have one final question for you since uh, Frenchie brought it up in the comments here. He was um, disappointed that no one talked about Nightstorm. So my, my question is, um, so my guess is that the minute he saw that character, it was like, you know, everything's done. It's all over. That's the one. Um, which one did he like the least? That's a great question. I actually don't know the answer to that. You might have to ask Frenchie himself. Mm. I don't know which one he likes least. I do know, uh, I'll give you another Bantam story, that Storm Fox almost didn't make it as the iteration that you see Storm Fox in now. Uh, Storm Fox was probably the hardest Bantam to nail. Um, so I think if there was any Bantam that Frenchie didn't like, it probably didn't make it to the final card set. Um, but Storm Fox literally was like, you know, just the resource itself is based off, um, I believe, the Nebula resource. And if you go on the other side, it's just an amorphous gas blob cloud. And we're just like, I was like how the hell are we going to make this work? So um, literally, I think it was like two or three days before the dev team was like minting the contract or the, the cards um, was when we finally got that thing back and was like, yes. This is this is the the storm fox we now all know and love. Very cool. Yeah, um, I'm saying it's a she because she looks like a she. Um, she is as um, I could see it as one of those ones you want to go hug because she's nice and soft and puffy, and then she'll like rip your heart out. So that. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that it. one named is that one named Jen? Ha ha! You're very funny, Ben. <laughs> um, I can see it in her eyes. She's she's that kind of girl. Um, all right, we're gonna a couple more questions here because I, I don't want to um, run into Kyle's Kyle's time. Who uh, I think San Fran. Uh, hey, everybody can hear me good? Yep. Awesome. All right. Uh, one thing I was going to ask is kind of uh, not to beat a dead horse uh, necessarily, but uh, I think everybody knows that with trading card games, the a lot of the love is built when people are young, like kids, and they grow up with it. And then they, as they grow up older, then they want to start collecting. With this being a Web3 experience and not in local card shops and not being able to, it's going to be hard to get it in, into kids' hands if you need a a wallet and then access to crypto and everything else like that, is there anything like what's the plan to kind of mitigate the, that uh, barrier as far as getting us into people who might kind of grow up with it and grow, you know, older with it? Yeah, it's a great question. And coming from someone who, you know, I went to, uh, and if you're a SoCal native, you might know Frankenstein's collectible show. And I looked forward to ripping in my, you know, in my local card shop and playing. Um, but I think times are a little different. And, you know, there's certainly, uh, we're going to be bringing Bantam Brigade to things like the Nationals in Chicago this year. And so we're hoping that um, some of those, um, some of those card shops might find it and then, you know, be able to start deploying those in their card shops. But, you know, kids these days are growing up as digital natives. You're seeing babies swiping TV screens because that's how they think they interact with them. So, uh, you know, I think uh, that these digital natives are probably going to grow up more so in the space of Web3 and grow up like, you know, mo a lot of kids probably, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds probably know how to make a MetaMask wallet. Or if they don't, um, it's much more familiar as an onboarding process than it is for someone. Um, you know, it took me a couple months to like 
wrap my head around it. And I'm, I consider myself a digital native. So to that extent, I think we're going to probably see a lot more younger generations growing up with these experiences already built into just the way they live their lives um, because they're just always on their phone. They're always online. They're always hooked in. So the discovery process will look different for the new generation, I believe. I agree. That's a very interesting answer. I, uh, I tend to agree. I think these, these next five to 10 years is going to be extremely, extremely interesting. Can um, I ask one, one little follow-up to that is, is, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is the experience when we start playing, is it going to be something you guys are thinking about people playing on their phones or desktop computers or both? Uh, great question. Probably, you know, just based on where we're at in Web3, that the desktop experience is going to be the most seamless. Um, I would hope that, um, you know, there would be some mobile integration, but I don't want to speak for our dev team because I have no idea what the technical complications are behind uh, something like that. Okay, I think we have time for one more question. And Hardwired, you have your hand up. What you got? Um, yeah, so uh, before this whole thing ends, just want to give a shout out to everybody on, on board the Golden Barnacle. And, uh, you know, more lore and stuff is coming for the Golden Barnacle. For those of you who haven't been here, um, unfortunately, after the migration, a lot of this stuff has uh, been deleted. But there's a lot of fun lore. And, you know, Kishra and I were talking about IP and stuff um, and expanding. So definitely more Golden Barnacle lore to come. Love writing that stuff, stuff up. Um, really just been fun, creative stuff. But I, I think my question to kind of end it up is that, um, you know, it's based out of, we're based out of Yuga and out of the other side as well. And I was wondering if there's any advantage. And obviously inside of other side owning um, a deed is an advantage in itself. But for specifically for like phantoms and stuff, I know Frenchie's got a ton of uh, plots, but owning a plot would would um, would that help you with inside of like Bantam and this little ecosystem inside of the other side um, as well. I mean, it's something I'm planning on doing anyway and getting another side D just to have my own plot and uh, build out off of that. But I wonder if there'll be integrations of kind of other people's plots into the larger story of the other side with the Bantams being, you know, um, a part of that as well. As of right now, owning a deed or not owning a deed won't affect, um, you know, gameplay in any capacity. Um, you know, for me, uh, as what we were talking about when it comes to lore and IP, you know, uh, owning another deed uh, gets you into the story or allows you to, you know, take part in the story. And um, that story, you know, in my mind, um, is just fun to include in the Barefoot Republic. So, you know, at this time, no, but, you know, maybe in the future, if you buy a deed and, you know, you have a parrot and a pirate and you want to come up and, be like, you know, this is where my Bantam Brigade trains and, you know, build an entire story around your deed and the pirates on your deed and that kind of stuff. Like, that's where I really see uh, a fun sandbox. Awesome. Appreciate it. Okay. I think uh, Todd, I'm going to call you Tito now since I made the connection. Uh, <laughs> well, well done. And I, I just, I just was informed that, uh, I need to be a walking infomercial, so I'm going to bogart the stage here real quick. But by the way, this has been this has been fun. Thanks, Kisher. Um, appreciate all the work you're doing, and of course, Jen for uh, hosting the space. But you know, of course, uh, Radish has done a great job um, producing awesome content, and then of course, all the community participation. Jen, Ben Jamps, Hardwired, uh, all the folks that host these spaces. And uh, so not only are they uh, educating us and, and growing the community, they're rewarding us for doing that. As I've just received a couple messages from uh, Slappy, um, I have been chosen from the uh, the last space with um, – uh, now I'm going totally blank. Let me see. The entropy space. That's right. As I reread this note. Um that for hanging on the, the, the hanging with the folks at the Radish Digital for the entropy, entropy space, I have won a hanger for the 
upcoming um, Block Packs Raz sometime in May, I guess. Um, so, anyways, thanks for that, Radish Digital, and uh, thanks Block Packs, and thank you, Gen Con, for letting me uh, uh, announce that. <laughs> announce <laughs> That's that award. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Free stuff is always wonderful. Very true. Very true. Um, okay, so we're going to uh, wrap it up here. So I will pass it to you, Kisher, one more time. If you have any um, final thoughts, anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to get out or something you want everyone to to know before we wrap it up. Uh, no, I think that's about it. You're not going to pull any more alpha out of me. Not today. But uh, thanks, thanks for having me on stage. It's been great to just kind of dive into the process. It's been a real, real honor just seeing how everybody has reacted and fallen in love with these Bantams. Like, um, that's just such a gift in itself. So um, super excited to see where we go from here. Um, you know, jump into some of the other side stuff if you want to explore the story in a larger capacity because there's some really interesting stuff going on there. Um, but if not, um, rip those packs. I'm going to probably pick some up on secondary, not financial advice, do your own research. But seriously, um, let's, uh, let's go. I appreciate it all. Well, thank you very much, Kisher. I very much appreciate your time. It was very enlightening. Um, and um, like you said, I will reiterate the, you know, rip your packs. Rip them, people. We need to get more of these out in the wild. Let's go. Um, and for those of you uh, who don't have any packs yet, you can still get them. Um, they are There are some sealed ones still available on secondary. Um, and then if you really fall in love with a particular character, they are um, also available on se on secondary, so you can select and get the one that you really, really jive with. Um, so I wanted to remind everyone, right after this space, we'll be rolling right into Kyle's new show. Um, is it Radish Bites, I believe, which um, I think is everything baseball which ties very nicely into the new release from BPX, which is um, Hometown Heroes, um, which is very exciting. Um, so go check Kyle out right after this. And I just wanted to thank um, Kisher again for coming on board, all you guys in the community, um, everyone from BPX. Um, wouldn't be able to do this without your guys' participation. Um, also remember... Um, this show is every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, um, and then we have BPX After Dark every Thursday at 9 Eastern, hosted by Jamps. Um, and to end with my, we're not doing a corny joke since we've broadened the topic of the show. Um, so my joke for today is, why can't your nose be 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot Thank you guys very much. Click over and check out uh, Kyle's show now, and we will see you guys um, next week. Oh, my my uh, thing for next week. We are going to have um, Infinite on the show next week. So start getting your questions ready um, to, to grill him next week. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. Thanks a lot. Bye. You've been listening to BPX Breakroom, which is broadcast live each Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern in Twitter spaces at Radish Digital. That's digital with a J. I've been your host, Discord user Jen Khan, and I wanted to thank today's co-host and you, the listener. A special thanks to those in the audience who raised their hand and came up on stage, helping to make BPX the best community in Web3. BPX is a community built for collectors by collectors. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.